News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Why is... Oh, okay. I, was, I said, why, why is Danielle Battaglia sending out a tweet about the January 6th committee uh, now gaveling in for another pre-election uh, ad camp? I mean, uh, hearing. Uh, why? Why? And then I looked at her profile and I forgot she is now the Capitol Hill correspondent for the News and Observer for the McClatchy outfit up in uh, D.C. Right. Because she's always in Raleigh. She's always been, is like my memory, she's in Raleigh. She's a Raleigh reporter, Capitol in Raleigh reporting. And okay. So, uh, yeah. So that's going on right now. But I mean, I'm not. At this point, there's. I mean, it's obvious why they're doing this today. It's they 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 need to change some of the um, they need to change some of the storyline. Some of the narrative needs a rewrite. Look, when the you got the what the producer price index comes out yesterday, you've got the inflation numbers out today. You got inflation now at eight point two percent. Gas is now approaching four dollars a gallon again. It's on its way back up. It's it look, it's not good. It's not good. And um, I'm actually like this morning, I had a Zoom call with my financial advisor and, you know, we're going over and looking at like what to do. And and one of the options is to roll money into a uh, out of you out of the IRA into a four into sorry, out of an IRA into an IRA Roth. And uh, the benefit there is that you pay the taxes now but then you never have to worry about the taxes again. And I am of the opinion that the taxes are probably going to go up in later years because I don't trust the elected officials to rein in spending, and I don't trust them to keep tax rates low. I suspect that they're going to raise taxes in order to pay for all of the uh, the spending that we have already witnessed, right? So that's... That's sort of my bet on this, and why not take advantage of the lower tax hit now? But here's the problem. The IRS counts the money as a distribution, even if I don't take it. If I don't take the money, I got to pay the tax as if it's a distribution. Even if it's just a roll, I'm just rolling it over. But they're saying that's a distribution, so that means I got to pay the tax, which means I got to drain the savings account. And I'm not going to drain my savings account right now. No way. Not that I prefer to ever drain my savings account because that's the whole point of a savings account, right? But if there's a play like, okay, I can drain a little bit and then let uh, at a time, and you can do this sort of slow roll. You can break it up and do chunks of it at a time over the course of a couple of years. So you can do something like that. But I've got money in savings. I'm not, I'm not interested in getting rid of that safety net, especially with the next two years. I mean – what do you think it's going to look like in two years? I don't think it's going to look better. <laughs> I don't think any of this looks better until there's new leadership. So, sorry, we're not moving any money. Just going to just going to sit tight and watch my portfolio lose more and more and more money. I lost about twenty five percent of my portfolio uh, since Biden has been uh, elected. Now, I'm not. I, well, I shouldn't say worried. It's not that I'm worried. I recognize this is a long-term strategy for investment, and this is there. And you, know, you break it up. You got some conservative uh, uh, strategies that you're working on, and then you have some more risk uh, 
welcoming, right? More risky strategies that you're willing to put more, you're willing to, yeah, be riskier with some of these uh, bets, basically, right? Some of this investment, you're, you're willing to risk a little bit more because there's more upside to gain. And you've got, I mean, hopefully I've got, you know, another 20 years before I retire. And so I've got time to make up these losses now. So I'm not worried about the losses. I would be very worried if I was approaching retirement, absolutely. But I also would not be in as risky of a product line as I am. Now, all of that being said, it does not make me feel good when I lose 25% of my of the value of my investments. And not that I have a lot of investments either. It's just and maybe that's why it's so much I've lost is because it's not a large chunk. But this is a problem. People who are approaching retirement and now can't. People are looking at their uh, at their investment portfolio and their 401k and their and by the way, yeah, 401ks. Yeesh. I mean, look, I get it. You get the match and all of that, but you're still going to have to pay the taxes at some point. Do you think taxes are going to be higher later than they are now, or lower later than they are now? Right. These are the kinds of questions you got to ask yourself. And everybody sees it. We were talking before we went on the air. Uh, I was talking with the uh, with Chris, uh, the producer, and Bernie, the producer here, and we were talking. And the price of everything. I went. I bought chicken. I've talked about this before because I eat chicken. I eat a lot of chicken. I eat my share of chicken, and and Christy's share of chicken. I eat chicken. All right. That's what I. That's my lean protein. It's in like every meal that I eat. And so I am acutely aware of the price of chicken. The tray of chicken I bought at the grocery store. Um, What's today? Thursday. So Tuesday was almost $19 for just a tray of boneless, skinless chicken breast, which that's always what I buy. And I used to buy it for about 12, 11, 12 bucks. I understand the weights fluctuate, but it's still the same size tray. And so it's it was always about 11 or 12 bucks. And now it's 19 same size tray of chicken. That's across the board. So uh, maybe, yeah, maybe the, the January 6th hearing will distract everybody. I saw somebody mention this today. You know, the bread and circuses approach to, uh, to governing during a decline. It only works if they've got bread. That's the, yeah. You got, it's a little, it's an often overlooked aspect of the axiom, which is you got to have the bread, bread and circuses. It can't just be circuses because people ain't going to give a flying fig Newton about your circus if they're starving to death. They may actually just like rush the stage and start, you know, eating the animals in the circus because they don't have food. Meanwhile, there is a there's another event going on, and maybe this is also part of the distraction. Um, Igor Denchenko. Igor Denchenko, you know who this guy is? He's the guy who apparently uh, is laying down in the street, getting the bus driven over him forwards and backwards multiple times by the Department of Justice. <laughs> he is the he's the fall guy tossed out in front of the bus to be run over because he's the reason why they got it in their brains over there at DOJ that Donald Trump had gotten a hotel room in Moscow and paid some Russian hookers to pee on a bet. And that the Russians knew all of this and that they were uh, extorting and blackmailing Trump 
while also recognizing that Trump was an asset of theirs. So he was working with them. He was cozying up with them. He was their pal. But also he was being blackmailed by them, extorted by them because of the P-tape. This was the lie that Igor Dinchenko totally convinced the FBI was true because the FBI had no way of knowing. A Russian analyst who played a major role in the creation of a flawed dossier about former President Donald Trump fabricated one of his own sources and concealed the identity of another when interviewed by the FBI. That according to prosecutors. The allegations were aired during opening statements in the trial of Igor Denchenko, who was indicted on five counts of making false statements to the FBI. See, the FBI interviewed Danchenko on multiple occasions in 2017 as it was trying to corroborate allegations from the Steele dossier. We're just tracking it down, just trying to corroborate this information, right? The allegations here are very serious, so we need to make sure they're true. The dossier, put together by British spy Christopher Steele, commissioned by Democrats during the 2016 presidential campaign, included allegations of contact between the Trump campaign and Russian government officials, as well as allegations that the Russians may have held compromising information over Trump in the form of videos showing him engaged in salacious sexual activity in a Moscow hotel. Specifically, according to prosecutors, Danchenko lied when he said he obtained some information in an anonymous phone call from a man he believed to be Sergei Milian, a former head of the Russian-American Chamber of Commerce. Okay, so Denchenko lied when he said he got information from an anonymous source that he thought was the head of the Russian-American Chamber of Commerce. Now, the Russian-American Chamber of Commerce guy, Sergei Milian, says that he did not give this information. He does not know what he's talking about. And Danchenko's response, his lawyers say, well, that's what he thought. So you don't know what was in his head. He wasn't lying. He really did think that. Hmm. Prosecutor Michael Kilty told jurors that Danchenko never actually spoke with Milian and that phone records show he never received an anonymous phone call at the time he said it occurred. So not only, not only did he never speak with Milian, But the phone records show he wasn't even on the phone at the time he said he got the call. And what does the defense say? I'll tell you in a minute. Guys, I think the walls are closing in on Trump. The walls are closing in. I mean, I know we've been hearing that for a very long time, but it's a very big room. Very, very big room. It takes a long, and the walls close in so slowly that it just, it's, it takes a long time. All right, so you got this trial underway now of Igor Denchenko. He's the guy that made false statements, allegedly, to the FBI and totally convinced them to go after Donald Trump in the way that they did. Because they never would have done that. I mean, <laughs> what kind of agency do you think this is, Right. Come on. Come on, man. Prosecutor Michael Kilty told jurors that uh, Danchenko never spoke with the guy that he claims he spoke with that gave him this information that ended up in the Steele dossier, which Democrats paid for. 
Um, nor was there any phone call made at the time when Denchenko says the guy called him. Right? So not only do you not have a record of the call, you don't have any record of you talking to this guy. Prosecutors say uh, that Denchenko uh, lied when he said that he never talked with a man named Charles Dolan about the allegations contained in the dossier, what with the peeing hookers and all of that in Moscow, right? But prosecutors say there is evidence that Danchenko did speak with Mr. Dolan over email about very specific items that showed up in the dossier. So what's the defense's position on this? You got these two different, these two different charges. Danchenko claims to have talked to the head of the Russian-American Chamber of Commerce, but there's no record of that call ever occurring. And he also says that he he also denies that he talked with a man named Charles Dolan about what was in the dossier. However, they have emails that show correspondence between the two. Okay, so here's the here's the response from from Danchenko's attorney, a guy by the name of Danny Onorato. Onorato. He told jurors that, in fact, his client was completely truthful with the FBI. He said, look, um, Denchenko never said that he was certain that the Chamber of Commerce guy was the source of the anonymous call, but he had good reason to believe it. And look, the government, what they're arguing is that the jurors have to be mind readers to know whether or not Denchenko believed the source of the call was this guy or not. So this is who he thought it was. Now, maybe he was wrong about that, but this is who he thought it was. Okay, you thought it was him, but it wasn't. All right, but what about the fact that there was no phone call? Ah, they have, a, they, have a, they have an excuse for this, too. The government has no idea whether a call could have been placed with a mobile app rather than a traditional telephone provider. Ah, so it could have been done on a mobile app rather than a, just on a telephone call and like a, like WhatsApp or something, and uh, then there would be no record of the call on the telephone. Also, um, you know, maybe they took efforts to conceal this via an app or some other kind of technology, and they, you know, you you wouldn't know that either. So this way, they, the caller could be anonymous. There'd be no record of it. What about the the chat with this guy Dolan, where the government says that? Denchenko talked with Dolan, and Dolan says, no, I didn't. Well, ah, they have an excuse for this, too. Denchenko answered the question truthfully because the two did not talk. No, no, see, they emailed. And that's different. If the FBI wanted to know about the email exchanges, then it should have asked about email exchanges. But it asked about talking. The FBI asked Denchenko about, did you talk with him? And Denchenko said, no, I didn't talk with anybody named Dolan. I emailed them, and that's not talking. That's their excuse. The government, in his opening, uh, uh, government lawyer, Kilty, acknowledged to jurors, by the way, this is from the Associated Press, okay? He acknowledged to jurors that evidence would show the FBI did make errors in conducting its investigations. (gasps) No. Really? The FBI made errors in its Crossfire hurricane probe? Interesting. But the government said that that should not exonerate Danchenko. The first prosecution witness was FBI analyst Brian Auten, 
who testified that information from the Steele dossier was used to support a surveillance warrant against Carter Page. Right. Carter Page. And that's the reason, you know. Under questioning from Durham, Auten testified that the dossier was used to bolster the surveillance application, even though the FBI could not corroborate its allegations. Oh, so the FBI could not corroborate the allegations being made, but they used it anyway. They used it anyway to get the surveillance warrant on Carter Page. Oh, and also remember, they lied on that warrant repeatedly. They lied about what they knew about Carter Page, which was what? We find this out later, although they found out immediately because they they asked the CIA. They said, hey, CIA, we want to surveil this guy, Carter Page, because he keeps going to uh, Russia. And when he comes back from Russia, we want to chat with him. So we just, you know, before we get the warrant, just want to make sure, is he one of your guys or not? And the CIA says, yeah, we have a relationship with Carter Page. And the FBI changed that answer to get their warrant. Because if the court knew that the CIA had a relationship with Carter Page, wherein every time Carter Page returns from Russia, he talks to the CIA about overtures that are made to him, things that the Russians want to know about, right? He lets them know. He talks to them. He's, I mean, I don't want to say the term asset here, But he's helpful at the very least. I suspect, just my opinion, based on what I've read over the years about his relationship, and I think he probably is, he's an asset. I think he probably is. At the very least, he gives them a lot of information uh, about things going on in the Russian economy and business and government. And so when the CIA told the FBI, yeah, we have a relationship with this guy, the FBI then said, uh, thanks for that information, then ignored it, changed the response, and still submitted the the application to the court, and basically, well, not basically, they did. They lied to the court about it, thus securing the warrant, because that's what they wanted. That's what they needed. By the way, the FBI met with Steele, Christopher Steele, in the UK in 2016, and apparently, according to the trial now, they offered him a million dollars if he could corroborate the allegations in the dossier. And he could not. But they still used it. They still used it. And Jim Comey used it in order to give Trump the, quote, defensive briefing that was then leaked to the media in order to get the story reported. A million dollars. That's interesting. So the national spokeswoman for the 1776 Action Organization, Kathy Barnett, she just tweeted out that the USDA is asking people to register vegetable gardens for a national database. She also says, uh, sorry, but I lost my garden in a boating accident. That's yeah, me too. That's so weird. Mine too. It's a devastating accident. John Ectel, uh, he is a writer at, um, is he with Breitbart? I forget where. Maybe Ricochet? I forget. Uh, John Ectel, though, he, uh, he asks everybody the burning question. 
What are your plans for not watching the final January 6th hearing right now? Oh, wait, Adam Kinzinger is speaking. I almost am tempted to just, like, to listen to just, like, a second of it, just so we can say, if anybody ever asks, hey, did you listen to the last hearing, the last uh, hearing in the, the J6 committee? I can just say, yeah, a little bit. Are you all right? Yeah, let's do it. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Legal challenges. Okay, that's uh, enough. All right, good. So now you just heard it. So from now on, if anybody ever asks, hey, did you catch the last hearing of the J6 committee? You could say, yeah, I caught a little bit. And you just did. You're welcome. All righty. So uh, Igor Danchenko, this is from, uh, this one's from Fox News. Talking about Brian Auten, FBI supervisory counterintelligence analyst Brian Auten. By the way, what I'm going over right now with the Steele dossier stuff, this uh, this uh, trial of Igor Denchenko and its connection with the Steele dossier, is directly related to the events of January 6th. Directly. You don't get to J6 without going through this for five years. That's undeniable. I think any honest person recognizes if they know the story, and this is part of the problem, is you have half of America that doesn't know anything about any of this Steele dossier. You still hear people talking about Russia hacking the election, right? You still hear people on the left and the media, but I repeat myself, talking about how uh, you know Russia put Donald Trump in office. He wouldn't be there but for Donald Trump or but for Russia. That he was compromised. He had all these uh, uh, he had all these business dealings with them and all of that. And I have said from the very beginning, if you've got some evidence, let's see it. Let's hear it. They want to bring cases and all this stuff. Let's hear it. Let's see it. But at some point, you know, you got to do your business or get off of the pot. Or a fish or cut bait. All right? That's a better probably euphemism for lunchtime radio. Um, so fish or cut bait. And... Of course, they don't ever have to cut bait because no one ever holds them accountable for wasting our time and distracting us and impugning the office and besmirching the reputation of the FBI. I mean, that's the damage, the institutional damage done by these people is incalculable. It truly is. So they offered a million dollars to Christopher Steele. The guy who created the Steele dossier, the FBI, according to this specially or the supervisory counterintelligence analyst, Brian Auten, who testified that he and a group of FBI agents went overseas in October 2021 to speak with Steele about the dossier. So just a year ago, last October, last October 2021, Trump's out of office and you go over to ask Steele, hey, uh, here's a million dollars if you can come up with some corroboration for what you put in that dossier. After Trump is out of office, you're, you're throwing money at this guy trying to get proof that what he gave you was accurate. Why would you do that? Think about that. You're supposedly the premier law enforcement investigative body in America, maybe even the world. Right. At least you see yourself that way. And you haven't been able to corroborate this. So you go back to the guy 
that spoon-fed you the crap and you ask him for corroboration? You offer to pay him for information because you can't find anything? And you're the best? Either you're not the best or there isn't any ability to corroborate because it was never true to begin with and you just can't believe it. That's what's really amazing here. That even a year ago, in October 2021, they met with him and said during those meetings, the FBI offered him a million dollars if he could corroborate allegations in the dossier. And Steele said no. Steele said, I cannot do that. Not that I can't do it like I refuse to do it on principle. No, he said, like, I literally cannot do it. I, there's no way for me to corroborate that. Which, don't you think you should know? should have known that? before you put the country through all of this? There are people, half half of Americans, are not aware what Jim Comey did. They may know that Jim Comey went and briefed the president and then he got into his SUV afterwards and was so worried, so concerned about what he heard in this discussion that he took notes, remember? They may have heard that. They have not heard that Jim Comey laundered that Steele dossier through Trump and his meeting with Trump and through the media, it got it into BuzzFeed that he laundered this story by holding the defensive briefing in the first place. That's how that happened, right? We know that now. This is how it happened. You had a, 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 a what are they called? Salacious document, right? The salacious Steele dossier. But Media outlets were not comfortable reporting it. CNN said, like, this is just raw rumor, raw intel. But it's just rumor. We we don't know any of this to be true. And so we can't justify, from a news perspective, you can't justify going to air with this. Now, if you want to get it on the air, here's how you go about doing it. You have the head of the FBI brief the president about the dossier. A defensive briefing. We just wanted to let you know that this is out there. And then he immediately goes and funnels that information that there was a meeting, a defensive briefing, funnels that information to the media. And now the media has its hook. The media has a, quote, newsworthy angle that the head of the FBI gave a defensive briefing to the president about these salacious details. What salacious details? Oh, why? Glad you asked. Here they are. And BuzzFeed reports it in full, and people tisk tisk BuzzFeed for doing so, and then they all run with the information. Pack journalism at its finest. That's how you launder a story. That's what Jim Comey did. That's what the intel agencies do. This is what they got six ways till Sunday, right? Isn't that what Chuck Schumer said? Six ways till Sunday to screw you over if you mess with them? So this is how they messed with Trump when he originally got into office. And it became this anchor around his neck for the for the whole time, right? Investigations and accusations, uh, he's not a legitimate president and protests and all this became the focal point for those suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. And last year, that's just amazing. Early October 2021 to speak with Steele about the dossier. Please corroborate it. Here's a million dollars if you can. And Steele says, I can't. I cannot do so. I'm unable to do so.
Now, October 2016, that was when they went for the Carter Page FISA application. And John Durham asks Auten on the stand, did you have any information to corroborate that information for the Carter Page FISA application? And Auten says no. They didn't. The FBI began receiving Steele's reports, later known as the Steele dossier, September 19, 2016. They submitted the first FISA application a month later. So they were getting this stuff from Steele, but they didn't have any information that would actually justify the warrant that they got on Carter Page. And they knew it, but they lied. And that's why people don't have any trust in any of the institutions in uh, the U.S. federal government any longer uh, and are willing to go down and engage in violent protest over it because the institutions have no credibility any longer because of this. It's a direct line. Also, the gradual acceptance of political violence over the previous two years that we saw in the mainstream media uh, during the summer of love and such. Uh, But I digress. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Just a reminder, tonight at 8 o'clock over on WBT's Facebook page, I and Vince Coakley will be hosting the weekly Talktoberfest event. It's a live stream. You are invited to participate. You can ask us all sorts of questions, whatever you'd like. It's sort of an open line Friday, ask us anything kind of a deal. Um, And it's at 8 o'clock on Facebook. It's totally free. You just... Show up and join the chat, and we'll see you there. Uh, it's uh, every Thursday at 8 o'clock, different hosts. So like last week, it was Bo and Beth. This week, it's me and Vince. Next week will be Mark Garrison and Brett Jensen. Uh, and then the final week uh, will be Brett Winterbull along with uh, the Good Morning BTs. And uh, it's all presented by Kristen Bernard and Power Home Team, Keller Williams South Park. All the details are at WBT.com. And uh, hope to see you there tonight. 8 o'clock, be there or be square. So uh, back to the uh, Fox News coverage of the uh, the trial of Igor Dinchenko. This is John Durham's uh, probe, right? Durham, the special prosecutor guy, right, that was uh, been leading the investigation into all of this. I think this is the third trial that uh, he's uh, gone to uh, trying to get to the bottom of how all of this transpired. And look, I, I've been following this now for five years. I got a pretty good grasp of what went down and none of it's good. None of it's good. You had the Mueller probe. We got a whole bunch of information out of that. And, I mean, just the mere fact that Peter Strzok and Andrew McCabe have gigs as expert talking heads on media outlets, that is an indictment on our current state of affairs in politics and governance. It is, it is a, it's a slap in the face, the fact that these organizations have no problem. Have you read, by the way, have you ever seen the uh, the termination letter? Just got released a couple of days back. Uh, it was the termination letter for Peter Strzok when he appealed his termination and uh, from the FBI. And uh, the, the guy who wrote the letter, I mean, just ripped him to bits. Deservedly so. And the, and the fact that Strzok is still held up as some sort of expert... Uh, on a on CNN, it's 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 grotesque. Um, 
this other guy, Auten, his name is uh, first name Brian, I believe. Uh, well, that doesn't matter. Supervisory agent of some kind. Um, yeah, special counsel Durham uh, is questioning this guy, uh, Auten, on uh, on what they knew, when they knew it. Hey, you didn't uh, have any corroboration for the P-tape. And uh, he said they started getting uh, uh, Christopher Steele's reports, uh, later known as the Steele dossier. They started getting them in September 2016, so right before the election. And then a month after that, uh, after they start getting them, is when they file the FISA application to go get the warrant on Carter Page. And September 19th was also the day that Michael Sussman, This is so think about this, September 19th, 2016, the first day they start getting the Steele dossier reports, day one, that's the day that the Clinton campaign's lawyer, Michael Sussman, brought the white papers to a meeting at the FBI. And then had this meeting with the general counsel, James Baker, that said Trump was using a secret back channel to communicate with this alpha bank that's linked with the Kremlin. That was not true either. But the very same day, Steele dossier starts filing reports. We get the uh, we, we get Michael Sussman just doing his civic duty, just a concerned citizen. No, no, not here in my official capacity as the lawyer for the Clinton campaign. No, no, I'm just going to give you some, you know, free bit of a, a, a tip. It's a tip. It's free bit of advice. Hey, you might want to look into this Alpha Bank thing. Sussman, of course, found not guilty by the Washington, D.C. progressive jury. And um, even though it's quite clear that he made false statements to the FBI. Auten also said that the FBI reached out to other intel agencies to see if they could corroborate information uh, related to the Steele dossier, which was commissioned by opposition research firm Fusion GPS and paid for by the Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNCC, uh, or the DNC rather, through the law firm Perkins Coie, uh, which is, you know, the alma mater of Mark Elias, who's Roy Cooper's attorney uh, and uh, has been suing the state of North Carolina in an effort to get Democrats elected. I mean, to uh, make sure everybody can vote. Um, Auten repeatedly admitted under questioning from Durham that the FBI never received corroboration of the information in the Steele dossier, but he stressed that it was used in the initial FISA application and in the three subsequent renewals. By the way, the special master currently reviewing records seized by the FBI in its unprecedented raid of former President Trump's home, Judge Raymond Deary. He was the judge that signed off on that warrant to surveil Carter Page. 